With Domino's week-long carry-out deal, you can carry out large three-topping pizzas and now medium three-topping handmade pan pizzas for $7.99 each. It's pantastic news. Cut, cut. Puns? You mean pans? Calling all pan addicts for two layers of cheese on crispy golden crust. So grab your panty packs, because Domino's large three-topping pizzas and medium three-topping handmade pan pizzas are $7.99 each. It's pandemonium. Pan-tastico. Carry-out only. You must ask for this limited-time offer. Prices, participation, and charges may vary. Okay, welcome into another edition of the Duly Noted Podcast. Thanks so much for clicking on. Uh, let me first all start by it with a correction. I mentioned Rob uh, Stecklow last week, who was did so much for our golf tournament, and I said he was from Charlotte. He is from New York. I think the shipping came from Charlotte. I think that's where I got confused, but he's such a good uh, good person. I, I didn't want to screw that up. Now, let's move on. Let's uh, start off. We'll, we'll talk a little football. And we'll get to some basketball. Richard Cross is going to join us to talk some Ole Miss. Richard knows that program inside and out. One of the, one of the great guys, too. Uh, I've got to know him over the last few years and looking forward to talking to him. Uh, Florida gets an offensive – or, I'm sorry, a defensive uh, line coach in David Turner, who um, had been with, um, obviously, Dan Mullen for a while at Mississippi State. And I saw this – I think it was Thomas Goldcamp tweeted this out. Thomas does a good job. Um, that Florida now on their coaching staff has 100 years of SEC experience. And it goes back to a little bit of what I've talked about before with making sure you have coaches on your staff who, first of all, know this league and are good coaches, number one. Too many coaches get caught up in getting player, getting coaches – I'm talking about head coaches getting assistant coaches, in my opinion, who – are good recruiters, and coach-wise, we'll see. I, I, I know of a coach here at Florida who did that, hired a guy only because he could recruit, and actually admitted to me he wasn't a very good coach. Um, I, and I think that happens a lot. I look around the league, and I see coaches being hired as assistants, and I'm not naming names, and you're kind of like, well, they got him because he's got this great player. He's He's been recruiting these guys, and – it, it, it look it's about recruiting i know that it's the lifeblood and everything but if you don't have good coaches it doesn't matter how good you recruit um alabama as as much turnovers they've had they brought in really good coaches and guys who know what they're doing mike loxley's as good an offensive mind as i think there is in the country and that's why they got him uh first as a uh, analyst and then promoted him and of course he moves right away over to maryland and looking forward to seeing how, how he does there. Mike's a, a good friend. I'm hoping he does well. The point being, I think Florida, I think Dan Mullen has really tried to make sure. You, I'm not saying none of these guys that they've hired, these last few hires, certainly I think they're really good recruiters, and I think they'll do a good job. But you got to have guys who know what they're doing. And, and you got to have guys you get along with. I mean, you, we've seen I, – I remember there was – again, I don't want to get into too many names here – but there was a situation uh, at Florida where you had an offensive line coach dinging along with the offensive coordinator, and they they would come up with the, here's our here's our game plan, and he would say can't block those can't block that those plays, and they would fight, and there would be literally like screaming matches in the in the um, in the uh, offensive meeting rooms. I mean, you can't you got to have guys who get along, guys who know what they're doing, who relate to kids, and can recruit. You get all that, you got a perfect coach. We'll see how it all works out, but I would say that I think Florida. I don't. I don't want to say they upgraded, but I think they have, because that would be an insult to Charlton Warren and to Sal Sinceri. Um, I think they did a really good job this year, but my my first reaction is they they might have upgraded a little bit, and I think that's tremendous. Um, also, Florida, of course, T.J. McCoy transferring to Louisville. Kind of saw this coming when he put his name in the portal. Uh, kind of a mystery. It's it's weird. I, I can't – I don't know why. I'm the only person who, who heard the word concussion come out of Dan Mullen's mouth in a, in a press conference late in the year when he was talking about McCoy. And I guess I'm the only person that heard it. Somebody was talking over him. Maybe I misheard it. I don't know if that's why he was out for the whole year, if it was just a leg injury, whatever, you know, lower extremity as uh, Will Muschamp used to say. Uh, but I wish him well. Uh, what, uh, 
I said this on Facebook. One of the most fun interviews I had this year was in the Florida's um, media day over at the stadium and talking to TJ and then talking to his dad, who, of course, Tony McCoy was a great player and been through an awful lot. Wish him nothing but the best and hope it goes really well for him. Um, but that's the transfer portal, man. The transfer portal, guys, it's, it's kind of the, the wild, wild west that coaches are always worried about where players are moving on and uh, opportunities are there. Uh, but there are some certainly some interesting things in, still going on with that transfer port, portal in terms of guys asking for their eligibility. I mentioned this the other day, but here's the thing. when You've got to still have a good reason. You can't just – I don't think the NCAA, as lenient as they've been, and they have been unbelievable, I think it's it was great that Van Jefferson and Shea Patterson got to play last year. They should. And Trayvon Grimes with his situation with his mom and everything. Uh, I, I think that's great. I think they sh- they're starting to show a little heart. But I, at the same time, uh, for like Justin Fields' argument is going to be that there was a racial slur directed towards him on social media, and that's why he felt like he had to get out of Georgia. And I'm not saying it didn't contribute to it, and it should contribute to it. He should be really upset, and he I can't blame him for wanting to leave. I don't think that's the only reason he left. I think the reason he's leaving is because Jake Fromm is their quarterback, um, and he's going to Ohio State. Now, is that enough to get a um, you know a appeal to win your appeal to have immediate eligibility? Um, I I would probably argue yes. But I wouldn't be surprised if they turn him down. Tate Martell's a whole other story. He went from Ohio State to Miami, and basically his argument is that my head coach left. Well, I don't know that that's enough reason for you to be eligible. But if they do make him, um, they do give him his appeal. I don't think they will. But if they do, okay, more rights for the players. I'm fine with that. A young man a long time ago fought for the rights of players. Um, wanted to have a student bill of, or a player's bill of rights. His name was Carlos Alvarez, and he uh, I talked to him a lot. And you know, I'm sure he'd be happy to see that they're getting more rights. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact the more heart you show in the NCAA, the more you say, "Yeah, we want to do what's right for the players." I think we're within five years of instant eligibility, anyway. I think there's going to come to a point where, which it should be, you know, coaches can leave. Hello, Manny Diaz. Coaches don't even have to stay a month at their jobs before they can leave, and they they don't have to sit out anything. So, you know, I think it's ridiculous that they've had this rule for so long and blocking transfers, and we saw what happened uh, out at Oklahoma where they tried to block the transfer, uh, the quarterback to uh, West Virginia, and, and there was such an outcry in social media Guess what? No, we're going to let him play. We're, we're good. He can go ahead and transfer there. So I think it's good that they get more rights, but I, I do think a lot of it has to do with, look, we don't want to pay these kids, and I totally am in agreement with that. I don't think they should pay these kids. I think they could continue to increase the stipend and get them more money, but nobody's ever, as I've said a million times, nobody's ever shown me a plan that makes sense, that works with that. And now somebody's going to send me an email uh, and, it, and explain it. So – uh, we'll see what happens there. All right, got to take a quick break. We'll talk a little bit about the orange and blue game date being set. We'll talk a little bit about Florida's schedule from last year. Here's an interesting tidbit for you, and then we'll get into basketball, which is not going to be pretty. That's all I'll say. You're listening to the Dilly Nota podcast at Gatorsports.com. The Gators are definitely on a roll under Coach Mullen, and next year should be even better. Winning is great for the program, but not for everything. Did you know what winning also does? It creates difficulty finding hotel rooms around game day. Oh, no. Most hotels triple their normal rate and charge at least two nights minimum. What? And if the Gators really start winning, everything will be sold out way in advance. No, no. Have you ever thought about owning your own place in Gainesville to use for you and your friends and family on game day weekends? Call Betsy Pepin, the top realtor in Gainesville and sponsor of the Dewey Noted podcast at 352-226-8474. And she'll help you find that perfect place for whenever you come to Gainesville. And when you're not using the place, she'll Airbnb it and take care of all the details. Betsy makes it easy for you to enjoy game day weekends instead of paying five-star rates for a one-star motel. Own your game days next year. Call Gainesville's number one realtor, Betsy Pepin, today. 
All right, um, welcome back to the shoe, a really big shoe, all right? Topo Gijo will be here a little bit later. That's not even a good insolvent. Right, you know? Is that better? No, I don't know. Not too good. I, I, my impressions seem to be dragging on in my old age. My, my impressions are worse as I get older. Why is that? Shouldn't they get better? I hear more things. My impressions aren't very good. I used to do a great Homer Simpson. My, my Homer... Right now, it's mundane at Beth. 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 I can't even talk. All right. Um, I did did one programming note. I uh, talked about it last week. My knee, my other knee is shot again. Um, it's very been very painful and very unfortunate. And the plan was to go into my doctor Monday and schedule surgery for as soon as possible because I'm going through a lot of pain right now. Unfortunately, I got a shot in it about a month ago and – they can't operate until they get um, the shot wears off, even though it's not doing any good. I'm not, I don't know the physiology of it. That, I just know that's what I was told. So it'll be late March earliest for me to get it. So you're stuck with me throughout basketball season. Um, and just understand if I'm in a grouchy mood. I'm usually in a grouchy mood. This is making me even grouchier and somewhat depressed. But, hey, you know what? There's a lot of people with worse lives and worse situations than I have. So let's talk about the fact that the Orange and Blue game was announced. Actually, this is this is kind of old news. They just made it official that it'll be April 13th. Uh, very disconcerting to me because that's a Saturday of the Masters. I think there should be a law against letting anybody play any sport when I want to watch the Masters. But um, – Certainly, it'll be, uh, I think, a, a well-attended orange and blue game. I think people want to come and see not only um, the new players that are that are early enrollees, more than anything, they want to see Emory Jones. They want to, you know, uh, see uh, how Felipe's progressed. Has he, has he progressed? And orange and blue games, spring games as a whole, are, are just practices. But uh, it's going to be a, a, a busy day on campus, mainly because baseball is also playing South Carolina three games in fact i think the um i don't think they have given a time for the the saturday game i'm i gotta double check that maybe it was 6 30 maybe it's gonna be a night game and then um so you had the baseball or football during the day and then baseball at night and women's tennis is playing that day as well lacrosse is playing that well as well that day uh so that'll be a uh, certainly a busy day on the campus as we look ahead um but I saw this stat, and, and uh, I'm not even sure where it came from and who did the rankings, but they were talking about the teams that did the best cons- co- when you look at their schedule and the teams that did the worst considering their schedule and the teams that had the worst schedule and how they did and teams that had the toughest schedule and how they did. And in, in this category, in the SEC, they said that Florida's schedule was the next-to-last toughest schedule in power five Oregon's being the easiest and that kind of caught me off guard a little bit because they were 64th and I'm like really it didn't seem like a real easy schedule when I was looking at it before the season aha that's the key you might have gone into a schedule as being really tough but as the season went along maybe it didn't get tougher now there's always this thing too that sometimes you beat a team and it changes the trajectory of their season. In other words, you go into Mississippi State and you beat them at home, and maybe their season doesn't end up as good as a result. And they lose some confidence. So, you know, the postseason rankings and the preseason rankings of schedules, you can pretty much just throw into a jar and scatter them around and, and throw them back out. It doesn't really matter. Uh, you play who's on your schedule. And the reason Florida's was so uh, low 64th think about it all right you had the the Colorado State obviously you had uh, the two other games that were easy pickings Charleston Southern and um God, I can't remember who they played in the who they play in the 11th game I'm going blank on that um it'll come to me all right so you had that and you had that real easy road game against Florida State that crappy team 
that really kills your schedule. So even though you played a really good Kentucky team, played a really good LSU team, Mississippi State was – we all know how much people dreaded or feared or worried about that game. Um, you know, going on the road against Vanderbilt. South Carolina was up 18 – 17 against them, whatever it was. I mean, I don't think it was an easy schedule. But now, in retrospect, when you look at one lost records, it looks easy. I don't think it was. I think this year's schedule, as I've said, is a little bit tougher. Opening up with Miami, obviously. You got Auburn. Um, you got to go to LSU. You got to go to South Carolina. You got to go to Missouri, where they never played well. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a tougher schedule. But as I said, it's a better team. I really believe that this the roster Florida has is better. Okay, let's talk a little basketball. I know, I know, I know, I know. What do you, you know, we got to talk about it, right? Uh, another loss, another game where they had a chance and couldn't get it done at the end. A, another just miserable start. In fact, I'm going to confess something that at 18 to three, I told my daughter who was wanting me to watch the game with her, I'm going to get a haircut. I can't watch this. Went and got a haircut, came back and watched the end of the game. Um, Listen to some of it. Watch a little bit in an establishment as well. But, um, you know, this team is what it is, and that's the only way to put it. it. It does feel like a lost season. If you think it feels like a lost season now, wait until uh, two weeks from now when they've played Ole Miss, Kentucky, Auburn, and uh, Tennessee again. And very likely – I would say likely – going to be 0-4. Now, I'd like to believe this team is going to pull itself up by its bootstraps and say, hey, we don't. We want to go to a tournament. Look, the NIT is not a guarantee for this team right now. What are they, 11-8? and You've got to have an over 500 record. And yet, at the same time, your net ranking, which they're using as the new RPI, is still 36 in the country. So it's still there. It's still possible that you can get yourself into the tournament. You got to get some big wins. Here are four opportunities. And again, I if I'm Mike White, that's what I'm telling my guys. I'm saying, you guys want to? You guys want to play in the postseason or not? If you don't, fine. We'll play all the freshmen. Nothing but underclassmen. I hate to do that to you, Cavarius. Actually, I couldn't do that to Cavarius. I couldn't do it to him. Cavarius, you and um, you and the younger players are going to play. Maybe that's not the fair thing to do, but it sure, sure would be tempting. Um, this team is just – it is what it is. I said 36. By the way, they're 38th in the net. Just noticed my – I wrote that down correctly, but didn't say it correctly. Um, but when you look at this team, it just – this is what I wrote about yesterday. It doesn't have an alpha male. It doesn't have a guy who says, jump on my back. Oh, sometimes it does. Every once in a while they, it has one. His name's Kayvon Allen. And he says, jump on my back. I'm going to shoot lights out, and if I miss, I'm going to keep shooting. Then you have games like Saturday where the first play is set up for him to get a wide-open jumper, and he doesn't take it. And that's when you kind of go, there's no leader on this team. And, you know, the best, the hardest-working player on the team is one of the least talented, and Kavarius Hayes. I love the guy to death. He works his tail off, but he doesn't have any offensive skills, really, around the basket. Doesn't have good hands, and and they can they can only do so much with them. It is, and and people keep saying, how did Florida get to this point? Well, there's a couple of things involved here. One of them is the Jalen Hudson coming back. Uh, I, you know, I'm not going to say that it hurt the team when he came back, but the Jalen Hudson who came back is hurting the team. Now, I don't know if it's mental with him. I don't know if it's attitude with him. I don't know. I'm not around the team. It's unfair for me to sit here and tell you I know what the problem is with Jalen Hudson because I don't. I just know he's not playing very well, and it's not just that he misses shots. He takes bad shots, and he plays no defense. It's a bad combination. You you have Kayvon, the reluctant superstar, who doesn't always want to, for some reason, doesn't want to play hard, doesn't want to play at a high level. I don't even know if playing hard is the right word. It's just not playing to his abilities. 
Obviously, losing Keystone hurt, but don't forget, Keystone hadn't made a field goal in, in the SEC play before his injury until that game. He hadn't made a field goal. So his level of play was was what it was. And you add, you know, these freshmen, I like these freshmen. I'm telling you, they've got guys coming in. They're going to be really good. I think Scotty Lewis will be that alpha male, even maybe as a true freshman. But right now, it's just it's painful to watch. We all know that. And uh, sometimes as a coach, you just – it just doesn't work. The guys you have on your roster just don't work. Maybe that FSU game, we should have looked at that and go, oh, this team isn't very good. Instead of, well, you have a bad night. FSU's had Florida's number. No worries there. Maybe we should have just said, ah, this team's got problems. That's easy to look at in hindsight. But we'll see what happens. The whole season comes down to these four games. I'm tell- I'm, I know that that's a kind of talk that coaches hate to hear people say, and they hate, maybe even fans do. But the whole season is these next four games. You got, you have to win at least one of these. One, at least, and that keeps you in. It keeps you outside the bubble, but you can still see the bubble. You lose them all, bubble's gone. Poop, it's gone. And we'll just see how they they do. Uh, I don't think anybody's real optimistic uh, that they're going to do great. They've just been – it's just a team that – you know, it's like I was telling somebody earlier. The 2014 team had no NBA players on it, but they had great chemistry. They were very coachable players. They listened to what their coach said. And, like, for example, with Patrick Young, it took a while for him to become coachable. He ended up being very coachable, but it took him a while. There were times when they he would drive the coaches crazy. Uh, but you had Scotty was a great, you know, Scotty had his own issues getting suspended a couple of times, but became a leader, became an alpha male. It's possible. It, it's not, doesn't have to be genetic. It can be something you learn how to be. That team wasn't that in talent level, wasn't anything special. Went to the final four, won 30, was it 30 or 31 straight games, swept Kentucky in three games. Last year's team wasn't overly talented. But you know what? They had Chris Chioza, who led them, and they had Igor Kolachov, who did everything he was asked to do, no matter where he was asked to play. That's what they're missing. They're missing guys being accountable, and the coaches can only do so much. So this year may end up just being a lost season, like last Billy Donovan's last year team, his team his last year. That team had way more talent. They had an NBA player on that team. And Finney Smith, they had some really good players on that team, but they didn't have it. They didn't have that chemistry. They didn't have that accountability. And you got to have that. So I think Florida basketball is going to be fine going forward, probably not this year. And I, I think Mike will get this thing. I think you're going to probably see um, some guys leave. You know, I was talking to somebody about Isaiah Stokes. I, I, I just don't. I almost feel like it was a wasted scholarship, but at the time when they got him, he was a top 50 player. He had his knee injury, gained a ton of weight. Well, they worked him hard, got him to lose that weight, and he gained a bunch of it back. Doesn't seem – you know, I, I mentioned this to somebody at the game, uh, A&M game, said, Isaiah Stokes looks like he just doesn't want to be there. Doesn't want to be on the bench. Doesn't want to be anywhere. And – if that's his attitude, maybe he's gone after this year. Maybe Michael Koro, who I don't know if he's got any attitude problems. I have no idea. I just know they're not playing him, and there's a reason for that. So you could see a couple of scholarships. Already they got one open because Chase Johnson left. You could see a couple open up where they bring in some transfers and get some big guys in there. So don't be down on the program. I know you're down on the team, and I know I got a lot of text messages Saturday that were pretty negative. I get that. I understand that. Uh, ter- totally understandable when when the team that you care about just keeps playing the way it's been playing, and yet you have a game like Texas A&M where everybody walked out of there going, "Wow, what a game! Can you believe that?" That that team still has it's capable of playing like it played the second half of that game. It's capable of playing the way it did against Butler. Okay, so it's in there. It's just they are struggling to get it out of them. It's just such a struggle. All right, that's all I want to say about the basketball team. 
We'll take a break. We'll talk about the Florida's next opponent Wednesday night, Ole Miss, with Richard Cross right after this break here on Gatorsports.com, the duly noted podcast. At ViStar, we believe in better. And that means treating people better with friendly, personal service that's kept our members happy since 1952. A smile and personal greeting when you enter the branch. An online or phone chat for those quick questions. And a call center that's open every day. If you believe that great service is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. Okay, welcome back to the duly noted podcast at Gatorsports.com. A real pleasure to be joined by my friend Richard Cross, who does radio out in Oxford, and also uh, you see him on the SEC Network and ESPN doing a bunch of games. Uh, it's so funny when I'm, I'm watching a game. I always turn the sound off on most of the commentators. You know, I, I don't want to hear Dan Dockage. I just don't, okay? But, um, but with you, I always have to turn it up because you do a great job. I appreciate that. You know, I got to meet Dockage for the uh, for the first time this year in the Bahamas uh, tournament. Oh yeah, Florida win, uh, battle for Atlantis, and um, he's a he's a neat guy. Uh, he is. I, I, can I understand just... though why some people might not want to hear him uh, <laughs> broadcast from time to time, and I bet he would say he understands also. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, we uh, we want to talk a little bit about Ole Miss and the basketball program and what they're doing. Of course, they come in here. Wednesday night for a game against the Mighty Gators. Not so Mighty Gators, I should say. Um, Are you surprised? Well, first of all, let's talk about Kermit Davis. That was a great hire. And another example how this league just keeps hiring great coaches uh, where it used to be you you elevated assistants and you got a a guy. Now they're going after established coaches, and this was, I think, a hire everybody thought was tremendous. I I agree with you, Pat, but I would say that this one – at least on the surface, looked a little bit different. I mean, when when Tennessee goes and hires Rick Barnes, it's a guy who's got Final Four credentials. Um, When Bruce Pearl goes to Auburn, regardless of how you feel about Bruce Pearl, uh, there was a resume at the high major level. Um, You know, Avery Johnson uh, has been uh, an NBA coach of the year, and and so those are all really high-profile guys. Kermit Davis had been at Middle Tennessee for, what, 16 years? It had been a long run, and it was about a decade into his run at Middle Tennessee before they finally made the NCAA tournament. Really, in the last five years, that was a really, really good thing. They had a ton of success against the SEC, whether it was against Ole Miss or Vanderbilt or, or Tennessee or you know other programs that they played in the SEC. They won the majority of those games. Here's what I'll say, though, about Kermit Davis. It's been interesting to me. For people that maybe don't have any idea that I'm affiliated at all with Ole Miss or that I'm from Oxford, Kermit Davis's name has come up in conversation a number of times. And to a man, or to a woman for that matter, when it's been brought up in, in mixed company, the response is, good grief, that guy can coach. Yeah, and, and so I think he had the reputation for being a big-time X's and O's coach, uh, regardless of the fact that he was not at an SEC school or a Big Ten school or an ACC school. He had a really solid reputation in the coaching community for his ability, and I think you're really seeing that in year one, although they've kind of hit the skids a little bit in the last week or so, uh, partly because of the competition, but uh, he's certainly a good coach. No, and I think that's what I was talking about more than anything, is that in basketball circles, I think People Absolutely. were like, "Wow, that's that's a good hire. He he knows what he's doing." Um, yeah, what what do you think has not gone well? You mentioned the competition, and obviously the game Saturday was a rough one for him. But uh, what do you think they have? Maybe a little bit of just teams becoming more familiar with him, or um, or fatigue, or anything like that. Well, you know, they lost three of their last four. Uh, the loss to LSU, I think LSU is the most athletic team in the SEC. I think Tennessee is the best team right now, but athletically, I'm not even sure that there's a close second to what LSU is right now. Uh, you may think I'm crazy. The, the combination, though, of Tremont Waters at the point and, and then Nas Reed and Bigby Williams, the freshman, and, and they've got another big. I mean, those guys are all Tremont Waters notwithstanding. You know, 6'9 to 6'11, not an ounce of fat on them, can jump out of the out of the gym to me the thing with lsu is is will wade going to be able to get them to play at that level on a night in night out basis especially on the defensive end when they are engaged defensively they're as good as anybody you'll find and i I think they're a team that could 
really make a run in March, you know, when we when we get there. Um, so, so I would say Ole Miss got beat by a much more talented team against LSU. They came back and beat Arkansas, and then last week they just got outplayed in every facet of the game at Alabama. Didn't make shots early. Alabama came in, you know, incredibly intense. Alabama's pretty big down low, and so they presented some problems for Ole Miss in the front court. And then against Iowa State again, I think Iowa State's a really good basketball team. They shot 70% for the game. They shot 77% in the second half. So You shouldn't lose that there. game, right? <laughs> well, no, you shouldn't lose that game. But number one, that's a really good job offensively. Number two, you allow a team to shoot 70%, you were terrible defensively. <laughs> terrible. And that's, you know, basically what Kermit Davis said. So, you know, they got to make shots. I mean, they shot 36%, I think. Uh, against Iowa State, and for the year, Ole Miss is just shy of 50% shooting. Uh, you know, you're 13 percentage points off your season average from a, a field goal percentage standpoint, and and you allow the other team to shoot that way, you're not going to win many games. So, you know, Ole Miss really is about as good as its guards allow it to be uh, on a night when Brian Tyree, Terrence Davis, and Devontae Shuler are playing at a high level. They're hard to beat. But if if two of those three are off on a given night, it's a, a really difficult road for the Rebels. T- Terrence Davis is kind of the Hunter Renfro of college basketball. It feels like he's been there forever. Uh, and, of course, with Florida, Kayvon Allen feels like he's been at Florida right. for eight years. But, uh, uh, you know, obviously for Florida, their problem has been the inside game. What they've been able to – when they've been successful, it's because they knocked down a bunch of threes. And it's obvious what teams have to take away from What What do you think the biggest strength is for Ole Miss, and what will Florida be trying to take away from them? Well, uh, I mean, I, I think uh, kind of going back to what I said a second ago, you, you've got to be good defensively, and you've got to kind of turn Ole Miss over. If you're able to – this is kind of anecdotal. I don't necessarily have the numbers to back it up. But if Ole Miss misses a bunch of shots early and, and kind of gets frustrated maybe with the inability to get to the rim early in a game, it seems to be something that they've not been able to shake. Uh, and so if Florida can kind of come out of the gate strong defensively, um, then uh, I, I think there's a possibility that, that Florida can have some success. You know, seeing this Florida team early, and certainly correct me if I'm wrong on this, I, I love the way Nimhart plays and, and kind of what he brings to the table as a freshman. Uh, I felt like the Noah Locke injury was, was a pretty big deal because it's a guy that was playing a bunch. I feel like with Kavarius with Hayes, you know what you're going to get. Right, I mean, he's going to bring a ton of energy, and he's going to chip in eight to twelve points, and is going to be at eight, you know, six to eight rebounds. And and you're probably not going to get a game from him, unless it's crazy, where he gives you twenty and twelve. But you are going to get the the enthusiasm and the emotion and the energy, and he's going to give you everything he's got. To me, though, the the X factor for Florida has been and will continue to be, can Kayvon Allen make shots? Can, can he play like he did when he was a sophomore? And is there some scenario where the light comes on for Jalen Hudson? I don't think he's ever going to play defense, but could he offensively get going? It almost feels like that ship has sailed uh, with regard to Hudson. Um, but to me, though, Kayvon Allen uh, is, is kind of the key. And when a couple of years ago in Oxford, he went for 33 against Ole Miss, just lit him up, in, uh, and I think it was year one at the Pavilion. Well, it, you said no luck. You meant Keystone being the injury. Um, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, Keystone. I just didn't want to confuse anybody out there who may be worried that no luck is hurt too. But, um, you know, the thing it would to me with Kayvon Allen is not can he play great, it's will he play great. Will he choose right. to play, show up that night? And I totally agree with you on Jalen Hudson. I think that, that bulb has been taken out of the socket and smashed, and, and I don't think it's going to – going to happen for him but what what's the level of excitement for what's going on there with Ole Miss uh it's pretty high um you know they had had some success and Andy Kennedy was kind of the first to tell you that they needed a new voice and you know it was a fairly amicable parting I mean nobody wants to get fired I guess technically he wasn't fired but I think he realized after the 12-year run that they had uh that it was it was time for him to move on and, and do something different Kermit, in a lot of ways, has inherited the same team and has kind of gotten them to play uh, at a little bit different level. They're still not very good defensively, but all his fans have responded. Uh, they've sold out, I guess, the last three home games. 
and the Mississippi State game this coming Saturday is sold out as well. Yeah, the Pavilion's a really, really good basketball arena, right. and it's it's still what it's just in its third year. So they played two and a half seasons in there. Seats nine thousand. They didn't overbuild it. It feels like a, a miniature NBA arena. So it's kind of got all the bells and whistles. And, and so it's a good experience, and if you give people a product to be excited about, then you, you combine that with kind of the amenities, and it's something that has kind of become the cool thing to do. Yeah. And then I, I think there's one more layer of that, Pat, and that is all this is starved for a winner right now. With, with what football has gone through uh, with the NCAA investigation into you know the past couple of seasons not being bowl eligible, folks just want to get behind a, a product that's going to play hard and is winning some games and Kermit Davis in year one has provided that and so fans have responded. You've seen a lot of SEC basketball this year obviously uh, doing the broadcast at different places. Um, I, I'm a little surprised like the league I knew was going to be, I thought the league would be really great this year. I think it's still good and we all know what Tennessee is, we all know what Kentucky is and you mentioned LSU, Ole Miss and Mississippi State look like NCAA teams but I'm surprised there's so many um, mediocre to poor teams. Now a lot of it, Darius Garland's injury killed Vanderbilt. The Florida sure. thing is a bit of a mystery. Missouri with Porter getting hurt. The injuries have played a part but there there's, feels like there's more not good teams than I thought there would be this year. I don't disagree with you. I, I think the league was built up so much going into the year that people just thought, okay, every non-conference opportunity that's out there with a chance for a big win, the SEC is going to take advantage. And then that went south on opening night when yeah. Kentucky got beat by 30 by Duke. And then you had some other opportunities. You know, Tennessee-Kansas was a close game but it's one that Kansas won. Now, Tennessee did have the win against Gonzaga, and they've obviously had a bunch of other good wins along the way. You know, Auburn had a chance against Duke and Maui, but they didn't, couldn't, couldn't get that done, played better in the second half. Here's the thing, though, that I would say. I don't think that there's an easy night 1 through 14. Yeah, I would agree with so, that, yeah. So, so, so going into the year, you know, if you looked at it, Ole Miss was picked last in the SEC. I thought that was a little bit low for them. When I looked at the league, I thought A&M and South Carolina, especially with South, what South Carolina did in the non-conference play, two worst teams in the league. Well, A&M's got, what, a road win against Alabama, and they beat Kansas State in the, the SEC Big 12 Challenge this past weekend. South Carolina has played above their heads. I don't know if there's an end in sight to that, because I think Frank Martin will continue to have them playing hard. And they just kind of play that game where they're going to drag you down a little bit. They're going to make it physical, and they're going to get you know some ugly wins. I don't think South Carolina is going to win the league, no. But I, I don't think they're going to you know lose eight of their next ten either. Um, so, so Texas A and M is not easy. Uh, South Carolina is not easy. I think Arkansas is really talented. Uh, when I saw them a couple of weeks ago, I did the Ole Miss Arkansas game on a, a Saturday, and Ole Miss was a lot better than them that day. Daniel Gafford didn't seem to be very engaged, um, but they've got a couple of freshmen that can really go. And then obviously Gafford is an all-league type performer, so well, it's not easy. And, and you're going to go to Bud Walton and assume that it's going to be easy. I mean, Florida saw how difficult that is to go in there and, and get a win. Um, so I, I just, you know, kind of as you go one through fourteen, I don't think Missouri is an easy win. Um, and, and then you got Mississippi State, who starts zero and two in league play. They had a gaudy non-conference record. They've kind of scratched and clawed their way back to 3-3 three and three and, you know, a chance to kind of get back to where a lot of people thought they were going to be. So, yeah, that was a long a long way of mostly agreeing with you. I think maybe the league is a tick below where it was, but I still think seven NCAA tournament teams is not at all out of the question. Before I let you go, let me ask a quick question about your expectations for Ole Miss football this year. Obviously, they've been through the ringer and um... – Lost a lot of good players, as we know. Van Jefferson, a lot of big fans of Van Jefferson in the uh, Gator Nation here. Yeah. But um, are they going to be able to get it back um, as soon as this this coming year? I, I guess it depends on your definition of get it back. Are, are they going to roll out and go nine and three and play in the Outback Bowl? I, I don't think so. I, I don't think that's the case. I, I think there certainly is a roadmap to six or seven wins. Um, to do that, they've got to beat Memphis on opening day, and they've got to beat Arkansas in week two. I mean, that's those are two sure, games yeah. that uh, – are those absolute slam dunks? No, they're not at all, especially with how Ole Miss has been defensively. 
and what they lost on the offensive side of the ball, but they're also two winnable games. And if you get those two out of the gate, well, then you've got three other non-conference games that you should win, and you've got Vanderbilt on the schedule as the permanent opponent. I mean, that that's the roadmap to six, and then if you can pick one more off somewhere along the way, then you're probably playing in the Music City Bowl. I think getting to a bowl game, whether it's at six and six or seven and five or ten and two, and I understand the ten and two idea is crazy, is going to be really, really important for a fan base that's still down in the dumps. Uh, season ticket sales are down. Uh, there's still a lot of people who think Ole Miss didn't that, that they made an easy hire instead of a great hire with Matt Luke. Uh, I don't necessarily count myself in that category. I think they thought that was the best they could do. Um, as they went through that search. But he needs results. He needs to to get this program back to a bowl game and get it moving in the right direction. I, I was doing an interview earlier today with uh, with Chuck Oliver, and we were talking about kind of Ole Miss. When they played Texas A&M last year, Ole Miss suited 59 scholarship players up for that game. Sounds like Kansas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is not really who you want to be compared to yeah. if we're talking football. <laughs> exactly. They're not going to send you to any Liberty football games this year, are they? Uh, I, you know, so I did my first football game for the SEC Network last year. It was Liberty at Auburn. <laughs> and when Hugh Freeze was uh, announced as the head coach for Liberty, I thought, huh, would have been interesting a couple of months ago. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah. It'll be interesting so, but, to see how, how that all works out. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if, if uh, he is my biggest fan, and I feel pretty confident saying the other way around. <laughs> he is Richard Cross, and he does a great job out there. You see him on the SEC Network and ESPN and, of course, his own radio stuff out there. We appreciate him joining us. We'll take a break. Come back with more on the Duly Noted Podcast right after this break at Gatorsports.com. Okay, um, got to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. Uh, it, it is, I will tell you, it's my least favorite week because it's just like the stupid pills get passed around and you see all these dumb questions being asked and people just trying to get noticed. In fact, I saw somebody, I, I don't, was it Barstool? Somebody from Barstool got arrested at Media Day or something. I mean, it's just crazy. It, it, it's not my cup of tea. I, I've been to six, I've been to seven Media Days. I actually went to one where I didn't cover the game down in Miami because Rex Grossman was playing and Alex Brown, so I went down to get those guys. Um, it, and it look, it, it, it's crazier now than it ever was. But even in those days, I remember being at one in Miami and not being not being able to literally see the player I was trying to interview. It is what it is. It's the biggest thing in the world. You know, you just look at the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl Sunday, if you watch the Pro Bowl, I feel bad for you. It was an awful game is what I've been told, but I can only go by – I didn't watch one second of it. You know what it rate, the ratings were? Like 8.0. Eight, oh, more than 8 million people watched it. What – you know, you get for, – for other All-Star games, you get like a 1 or a 2. You, it's just incredible, the ratings that the NFL draws, even when they're putting a bad product on the field. Uh, the Super Bowl itself, I think, is going to be fun. I hope it's going to be an exciting game. But the the week, you try to listen to sports talk radio and everybody's plugging something. It's like, all right, now we've got Hall of Famer. Uh, I'm just throwing a name out. Hall of Famer uh, Steve Young. And meanwhile, he's got something he's got to promote. I, I don't know. I just it, – it rubs me the wrong way. A lot of things rub me the wrong way, especially now that my knee hurts. All right, so what do I think of the game, however? I, I made my prediction. I think the Patriots will win. I, I am getting a little tired of the Tom Brady. Nobody, Everybody doubted us. Nobody thinks we're any good. Everybody thinks I'm old. Well, here's the thing. Nobody's ever said you weren't any good. You are old, but you're an unbelievable player, and you've kept your body in great shape, and you're probably the best quarterback, not only of all time, but probably playing the game right now. And if that's what you need for motivation, okay, that's fine. Cool. But, um, you know, it, it gets a little tiring. In fact, I think the Patriots are favored. So how can no, everybody be doubting you if you're favored? But everybody has to conjure up their own, you know, motivation, and that's fine. I just think the pressure for a first-year head coach, 
not a first year head coach, second year head coach. Thirty, what's he? Thirty three now. Um, I've got I've got t shirts older than Sean McVay. Um, versus the man and Bill Belichick, who whether you hate, you can despise Bill Belichick. You cannot doubt his brilliance. I'll never say the word genius. I don't. I hate the word genius. Two words I I hate in in sports: genius and wow. He showed a lot of courage taking that shot. Come on, man, courage? No. He showed some guts, maybe not courage. Um, you can't doubt him. And I think between him with two weeks to get ready, and and Brady versus a Jared Goff who's played great, and they I I'm rooting hard for the Rams. Uh, you may have read the story I did on Dante Fowler. Great talking to him again. Uh, rooting hard for them, but I don't see it. I, I, I'll be stunned. But I've been stunned before. Been stunned before. I was stunned. Uh, I was just reliving that game because they were showing on NFL films when the Patriots beat the Rams that were un- unbeatable, right? So anything can happen, and it'll be interesting to watch. Halftime show, Maroon 5, isn't that who it is? Yeah, I, I don't dislike Maroon 5, but nah, don't think so. I, I long for the best halftime show of all time, and I'm I'm putting this ahead of Tom Petty and Paul McCartney. Now, I saw Paul McCartney live in Jacksonville, which was interesting, to say the least. Uh, Tom Petty on TV, I, I couldn't, I just wanted the game, the halftime to get there so we could watch that. Those were great. Obviously, U2 was great. Whitney Houston, well, that was the national anthem. I'm trying to think of some other great ones. There have been some other great ones, okay? The best halftime show ever was the year that In Living Color did it on the other network. And they had their, they had a, literally like a 20-minute halftime In Living Color. That was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Nobody watched the halftime show. At least I didn't. All right. I got to get out of here. Let's do three things. And they're all going to be UF Other Sports Central. That's not even the right way to put that. Um, but I, I do. I'm running late. I don't know. Am I running late? Literally, I could talk for t- two hours and, you know, you could turn it off anytime. Maybe you'll turn it off right now. Maybe you turned it off a long time ago. I don't know the answer to that. It's time for three things. All right, let's start out. Number one, I have not been to a gymnastics meet yet this year, um, and I want to go to one. I just – the knee, you know. I don't get, that's the last time I'm mentioning the knee, okay? And the rest of the podcast I'm not going to talk about. But I've watched them on TV, and if you have not been out there, this is a special team. Ranked number two in the country, and, of course, the, the, the problem is there are a lot of special teams out there. And, and when you get to NCAAs, it can be a bobble, a little miss here, um, difference between winning it all and finishing second, third, fourth, which this team looks like it could win it all. They're going to Oklahoma. Oklahoma's number one. It's on Fox College Sports. I don't know if that's the – I'm not sure if that's FS1, if that's somewhere else down the aisle. Hopefully we can watch it. If not, I'll probably watch it on my laptop. But it's number one versus number two. But if you have not watched this Florida gymnastics team, it's pretty darn impressive. Um, and it's it. Every time I they get up there, I'm like, I'm always like, oh god, I hope she, she doesn't make a mistake, you know, or, or fall or anything. And man, they just are just so smooth. They've got the clutch gene. It appears their scores have gone up every with every meet. So I'm all I'm saying is next week they have a home meet. I'm going to try to get out there, even if I just go sit in the stands, if I don't cover it, because I really want to see them in person, and I would highly recommend you do as well. Number two on three things, uh, baseball, of course, started their practice. Talking to Kevin O'Sullivan, just to, just a quick – I just wanted to give you a quick uh, idea of what to expect. There, There's a lot of talent on this team, but it is very young. They're going to start freshman at first, freshman at third, freshman at center – kid from Ocala, um, catcher who's not caught a lot, uh, new shortstop who started the season last year but got hurt, 
Uh, it's gonna and, and there's a few veterans in there. Your, your your starters are you know I'm I'm not 100% sold on all their three starters and you could see a freshman emerge in there, but they'll be good at the end of the year. And every every time I've talked to Sully about it, he said, "Look, we're going to take some lumps." And we're and the thing that I found refreshing talking to him the other day was him saying, "Look, I I would rather lose early games." If it if it's going to help us down the road, you don't hear many sports where a coach says, "Yeah, losing, winning, and losing is not really what matters here. It's developing our team and getting them ready for conference play." And uh, I, I think don't get down on this team early is what I'm. I guess what I'm trying to say. And of course, um, number three, softball starts next week, and they're on the road, but they'll be back home after that. And I finally got a look just on a picture that was taken from the outfield of the new stadium it almost looks too nice and i'm not saying too nice for softball it looks like i can't believe it that's the same place where i sat in press box um you know very uncomfortably not being able to see the entire field it looks like look i cover a lot of softball games i really like covering softball games they're over an hour and a half two hours i i love dealing with uh with tim walton i love dealing with the young ladies who are, are fun to talk to and not giving cliche answers so i enjoy covering softball and they're real good it seems like it's going to be really fun this year um i highly recommend in fact uh, we're probably next week maybe going to try to do a shootout there where we take pictures and kind of give you a v- virtual tour of the new softball stadium it looks unbelievable and they're going to be really good again so should be fun Kelly Barnhill, Amanda Lorenz. That's right there worth the price of admission. And now you get chairback seats. All right, so I've done all the my shilling for the University of Florida, right? Uh, but I always, look, as you know, I try to be honest. You heard what I said about basketball, and, that, and then what I said about gymnastics, baseball, and softball. So it all evens out, right? All right, that's going to do it. want to thank Richard Cross again for being on the show. Always great talking to him and always great – uh, listening, um, or not listening, but talking to you guys and, and hearing the responses. It's always been uh, tremendous, and I appreciate everybody. And we will uh, we'll move forward from here. We'll be back next week with another one. We'll know, eh, yeah, we'll know. We'll know more about Florida's basketball season. It may not be good, but we'll know more about it when we come back next week and uh, probably do a little previewing of uh, spring practice. We may get Robbie back on. You want to get Robbie back on? Everybody loved when Robbie was on last week or two weeks ago or three weeks ago, whenever that was. Maybe we'd make him do it. He's got nothing else he's got to do, right? We'll get Robbie to come on. Um, I'm just going to put that up there as a possibility. I'm not, I'm not married to it. All right, that's going to do it, though, for today's Dooley Noted Podcast on Gatorsports.com. Thank you much for joining. I'm Pat Dooley, the sports columnist of the Gainesville Sun. I am deep. I am way back, and I am out of here.